everybody. Welcome to Sign of the Crime. This is Remy Ramirez. This is Hugh McGrath. We were just laughing <laughs> so hard because all of Katana's cat, Clover, loves loves when we record because we'll tell them. Well, he, he enjoys the nap time. Like as far as he's concerned, when he's very particular right now because Michael's in town. He won't sleep with me when Michael's in town because Michael takes his spot as far oh, as he's concerned. Totally. So he's like, you're getting in bed. This is amazing. And he likes to eat my paper. So like he'll come and nap with me for a while. And then as I put my papers down, as I'm done, he's like, excellent. And he just goes for he it. Fucking like, rips through them. Just but likes to rip it. He's That's thing. <laughs> like all not yet neutered boy cat. Yeah neutering is for boys boy cats mm -hmm. he's got he's got his balls going on little but, tiny ones but we were, just talking, ones. <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking about like how fucking cute cat balls are i because we didn't know we well we had cats growing up but they were girl cats yeah we had lady cats we had lady cats uh which actually it makes perfect sense when i think about mom <laughs> i can't imagine mom allowing any male animal no she she loves rick moranis my cat i know yeah and she loves clover too but i can't imagine her when we were kids it, willingly inviting a male into her home to stay yeah, that's yeah, oh my god that's totally true <laughs> can't see it um but these and that balls i they, know they're like two little tiny bunnies they're like they just nestled up next to his little starfish butt next to his fat fat anus so cute <laughs> now that everyone has officially decided not to listen to us ow my toes oh, clover <laughs> shit oh <laughs> he also enjoys attacking toes and i don't think that's just him i'm pretty sure that's most cats yeah yeah Rick Moranis does that too. Rick Moranis hey. attacks everything. <laughs> well, you know, he, he is subdued these days. He had a surgery recently, but he's doing great. He's really yeah. making a comeback. Yeah. The swelling has gone way down. He's still limping a little bit, but does he want to go outside again? He has not been asking to go outside for those oh, who don't know. We think we don't obviously know because we don't have a fucking GoPro strapped to my cat, which is what I want to do. Honestly, forth. it's not a bad idea. Yeah. Honestly. But we think he got mauled by, uh, what are they? A javelina. A javelina. Which is just a, a wild boy. Big old nasty pig. <laughs> fat fangs. Fat. Like Wilbur, but awful. Like if you took Wilbur and made him a nightmare, that would be it. <laughs> Wilbur the, like, oh Wilbur. You, you don't, Charlotte I was more Bob. obsessed with that. I was obsessed with that book when I was a kid. Psych, it's like a psycho ass Wilbur. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, he like had a dislocated hip and he... Ugh, it was awful. Anyway, he's doing much better, but yeah, he is not, he is not trying to go outside. He looks outside a lot, but he doesn't meow to go outside. Probably checking for that thing. Cause if he sees it, he's like, it's on site, bitch. <laughs> My leg is working again. I am coming for you. Uh, I hope, I just hope that maybe he just doesn't want to go outside anymore. Yeah. So that I'm you. not faced with, with a decision. I hate decisions, you know? <laughs> No, I know. And I'm sure he doesn't make it easy on you. All right. That's it. I'm putting the feet under the blankets. Yeah. Yeah. Asshole. Totally. No, he's took that personally. It, wait. Hey, how was uh, Christmas? How was New Year's? Happy New Year, everyone. It's yeah. Betty White died. So fuck off 2022. Not excited yeah. about you. I'm telling you, we need to put Angela Lansbury and Dolly Parton in a room somewhere and just lock them up. Oh my God, Angela Lansbury, national treasure. You do realize that if Angela Lansbury goes this year, that I'm just going to lock myself in a room for like a month. Angela La Lansbury was, wait, what was her name on the show? Jessica. 
Jessica, Jessica Fletcher. Mm -hmm. She was like your, I remember. Yeah. When we were little Quintana, well, my mom loved murder. She wrote and Quintana always fucking knew who the murderer was. (laughs) Like you always, you were like five. I have been a murderino since the beginning of time. (laughs) You were like eight and you were like, this bitch did it. I know she did it. And I was like, what? <laughs> Remy's like, here's a unicorn. I'm like, does it murder things? Because if it doesn't, I'm not interested. No, I was like, Michael Jackson, Madonna. That's true. You yeah. were like, murder. She Vogue, wrote. Vogue, Vogue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had very different uh, childhoods. Yeah. yeah. Same house, just different Same lives. House, just different lives. Different yeah. Lives that's how on. that went down. Yeah. So uh, Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Andrew okay. Borden. Oh, we're talking about Lizzie Borden today. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they know that now. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Did we announce it last week? Oh, no, we didn't because I had to message you and be like, who are we doing? This? Yeah, yeah, we <laughs> forgot who we were doing. We forgot. Um, anyway, yeah, we're doing Lizzie Borden. And uh, I, if you don't know who she is, then you've been living under a rock. But uh, I Lizzie didn't know. Borden, okay, you've been living under a rock. Well, you literally I, live I, in a, like, actually, amongst a bunch of rocks. So that checks yeah. out. Um, yeah. yeah, Lizzie Andrew Borden, and that's how you know her father didn't have any sons. What a fucking! She got saddled shit. with her dad's fucking name as a middle Honest, name. I did not know this, but this makes so much sense with her chart. Okay, keep going. So Lizzie Andrew Borden, born on July nineteenth, eighteen sixty. So she's a fucking cancer mm-hmm. uh, in Fall River, Massachusetts, to Sarah and Andrew Borden. She has an older sister named Emma, who's a full 10 years older than her. And she she had a younger sister named Alice, who died two years before Lizzie was born. And as I said before, this is probably why Lizzie got saddled with Andrew as a middle name, because her dad likely realized that a boy was not forthcoming, um, just not in the cards for him. So her father didn't come from money. Uh, he struggled financially as a young whippersnapper, but he did come into his own by the time Lizzie was an adult, and he did really well for himself financially in the manufacture and sale of furniture and caskets. Caskets. I did. <laughs> All kinds of foreshadowing in this nice. shit. Then he became a successful property developer. If I'm being honest, I have no idea what that means, um, but he made money at it. A property developer? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, built them maybe, dress them up pretty. I have no idea. I think it means you're like building property. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. Develop has a lot of different meanings to it. But I think that's like literally what it means. It's like when someone tells me they're a producer and I'm like, okay, what is that? What do you do? Like, what do you get up in the morning and do? Make phone calls? Okay. Um, So he was the director of several textile mills and he owned a lot of commercial property. He was also president of the Union Savings Bank and a director of the Durfee Safe Deposit and Trust Company. That has to be significant because he married after uh, after his wife died. His second wife's last name was Durfee. So I have a feeling there was some transaction involved in that. Some transaction? Um, Is that what you said? Yeah, I'm saying his second wife, her first, her her original last name was Durfee. And he was director of the Durfee Safe Deposit and Trust Company. So I sort of feel like maybe an arrangement was made. Mm -hmm. Um, He's exactly the sort of dude who would look for that kind of arrangement to be made. Let me tell you. Okay, so when he died, his estate was valued at $300,000, which is equivalent to about $9 million. Whoa. Our time, yeah. So he was a richie rich, but despite that, he was a cheapy cheap. And my cap heart wants to love this for him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but his kids did not love that for themselves. And it's really hard to blame them because despite the fact that he was 
really well off, he lived pretty frugally at the time. So they lived in this redone tenement house, which is, it was considered a decent part of town, but it wasn't nearly as nice as the part of the town that his daughters wanted to live, which was called the Hill. Their home did not have indoor plumbing, which Mm -hmm. it's not that that was super uncommon in the 1890s, but if you had money, why would you want to have your own piss and poop just hanging out? Um, (laughs) Wait, so where did they, did they have an outhouse? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And also there was a description of their backyard where it was like, they would pour slop buckets out the, out the door. And like, if you had to vomit, which I guess was a thing that happened a lot because there was no refrigeration. Oh my Um, God. Well, there was like ice boxes, but no, like what we think of as refrigeration. So there was just a lot of like, I don't feel so great, you know, like into the backyard, not hot. (laughs) My Paris Hilton in the early 2000s, like not hot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So they were also pretty cheap, like just in general, like even their food, like on the day that Andrew died, the family had had mutton stew for the third day in a row for breakfast. Like, ew, ew, right. Um, and there was just, there was a joke. <laughs> there was a joke at the time that went around saying it's entirely possible Lizzie killed them in order to get out of eating any more mutton. So, you know, <laughs> take we that hate mutton. what it's worth. What yeah. even is mutton? Lamb? lamb? But it's like, I, I, I want to say it's lamb, but it's not like young lamb. It's like an old lamb. Ew. Yeah. So another point of contention with Andrew and his daughters is his second wife, Abby. Sarah, the girl's mother, died when Lizzie was very young, and Andrew married Abby Durfee Gray, very respectable three, respectable, three years after her death. So he waited a minute. He didn't get married right away. Despite the fact that Abby was the mother Lizzie, and to a certain extent Emma had grown up with, but they weren't very fond of her, Lizzie called her Mrs. Borden. <laughs> and when questioned about their relationship, she refused to state that they were friendly. Oh, she had stated that she believed Abby was in it for her father's money, which is hard to believe considering the dude wouldn't even spring for an indoor pooper, but he was bailing out her family members right and left. Uh, Abby's sister had recently been gifted a house, which pretty well pissed Emma and Lizzie all the way off. And then they subsequently demanded that their father give them the house they had grown up in, which he did. It was a different house. He gave them that. And a few weeks before he died, the girl's sold the house back to their father for $5,000, which was about $144,000 in today's money. Well, not today's, but 2020, which is when they had the figures. Wait, why why did they sell it back? I don't know. That's weird. Maybe he wanted it. Maybe they just wanted the money for it. Um, But that did happen. Uh, Anyway, so the night before the murder, Sarah Sarah's brother, so his first wife's brother, John Vinica Morse, come to stay at the house to discuss business matters with Andrew. We don't really know the details of that, but there's some evidence out there that suggests the subject of that convo was property transfer. And if that's true, that definitely would have added to the tension in the household. They weren't really psyched about their dad giving away more property because as far as they were concerned, that was their birthright. Mm. So shit wasn't great. Um, things had devolved with the father and the daughters to the point that the girls very rarely took the meals. Wait, wait, slow down, slow down, slow down. Sorry. So things had not, they weren't going well with dad and the daughters and the girls very rarely took their meals with their parents anymore. Oh, they're pissed. Yeah. They're like, it's a lot of like, please excuse me. They're properly pissed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So according to the housemaid, Bridget, uh, who everyone called Maggie, a few months before the murders, Andrew had reportedly hacked up a bunch of pigeons in his barn. What? Believe. Yeah. So he, he maintains that he thought that local children were trying to hunt them. I, okay. I don't understand why he's, but apparently he took, you know, it's what? like that Michael Jordan meme where he's like, and I took that personally. Like he just didn't, he wasn't down for that. So he <laughs> had them all up. Wait, okay. 
I, okay, but this gets worse because Lizzie had recently built a roost for them in the barn <gasps> and uh, was, was reportedly very fond of them. So um, that wasn't great. <laughs> that, that didn't help. Uh, and I think it's worth noting that Andrew beheaded those, uh, those birds with a hatchet. <laughs> Jesus. Pretty close to what happened to him a few months later. So I will let you be the judge of whether or not that's a coincidence. Lizzie herself was actually pretty popular in her admittedly limited circle. She was unmarried, as was her sister, and they both lived with their father, custom at the time. Um, Both women had a religious upbringing, and they were social in their church, pretty much exclusively social in their church. As a young woman, Lizzie was very involved in church. What what does that mean? What do you mean exclusively? She didn't do anything outside of the church. Oh, I see what you're saying. But she did do a lot in the church. So she taught Sunday school to the children of immigrants. She was involved in Christian organizations like the Christian Endeavor Society, for which she served as a secretary treasurer, and timely social movements such as the Women's Christian Temperance Union, which, if you know anything about the 1890s, was probably not having a lot of luck. (laughs) That shit was rough. Uh, People were drinking. Yeah, turns out... (laughs) <laughs> Turns out lost cause Mm-mm, not happening. Um, she was also a member of the ladies fruit and flower mission, which I looked up because what in the actual fuck is that? And it turns out that a fruit and flower mission is a coalition of mostly young girls who collect fruit and flowers and they deliver them to sick people in hospitals and in their homes. Aww. Honestly, we that's, could use some of that shit. Yeah, um, that's really nice. That's really kind of sweet. Now they're like, oh, you're sick. <laughs> why you're sick you- five days and then get your ass back to work capitalism why you- yeah why don't you just die already god i know it was kind of wholesome i mean well it would be if the church system in the 1890s wasn't one of the many measuring sticks by women's worth was measured <laughs> i yeah. mean that would have been nice except it was like you're not on the flower commission oh no husband for you right um that aspect is less cool but unfortunately true andrew on the other hand not popular not a popular dude. Uh, we already know he's a cheap bastard. And in addition to that, he's just generally considered unpleasant and dour. And while we don't know a great deal about his business dealings, we do know that a recent bout of stomach illness in the family had left Abby Borden afraid that the family had been poisoned due to Andrew's general unpopularity. <laughs> she thought Andrew was so unpopular that they were poisoning them. Wow. Really, really not fans. <laughs> not fans. Wow. They did not like Andrew Borden. So we can assume he made some enemies. Uh, men sucking is nothing new, but Andrew's particular brand of suck had made life really difficult for Lizzie. She was not a beauty by the, the standard of her times, but she was friendly and she was well-liked and her father had money. And that really should have ensured her a respectable marriage. But her father chased off any man that would have her because he considered them all fortune hunters. He'd been vocal oh. about the fact that he didn't believe that Lizzie was pretty enough to garner the attention of a worthy man. So by definition, any man that would have her was undeserving. Oh, not so much of her, but of his money. <laughs> so right. this was this terrible double-edged sword for poor Lizzie, who in her younger years had been hopeful about finding a partner and establishing a life outside of her parents' house. But by the time of the murder, she was 32. And at the time, that makes you That's, firmly established. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. like, yeah. So this is the situ- situation that Lizzie Borden finds herself in on the 4th of August in 1892. Her sister is out of town that day. She had been out of town for a few days and she wasn't expected expected back for a few more. She was at a family friend and seamstress's home being fitted for a new dress because that's how they rolled back in the day. Damn. Right? <laughs> was like, yes, bespoke. Let's do this. Yeah, someone fit me to a dress. Right? 
Um, as I mentioned, Uncle John Morse Vinicum or Vinicum Morse, I think it's Vinicum Morse, had shown up the day before and he spent the night in an upstairs guest room. And he was there that morning having an absolutely unappetizing breakfast of leftover mutton stew. <sighs> John and Andrew chatted in the sitting room after that disgusting breakfast for about an hour before John leaves at 848 in the morning to visit his niece and purchase some oxen, which made me immediately think of that. Do you remember that game? You know what oh. I'm talking about? Oh my God. What was the it or- called? The Oregon Trail. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, must purchase some oxen. <laughs> anyway, apparently that <laughs> like, shit was real. You, you died of dysentery. Uh-huh. Malaria. Like, Not again. They're like, you hunted a squirrel. You eat for- <laughs> You eat for two days. For two yeah. days. So not after that, not after long after John leaves, Andrew leaves for his morning constitutional, which is a walk for those of you who don't speak English. I don't Um, apparently. No, you don't. Snobby English. Um, (laughs) Abby goes upstairs to clean up the room that Uncle John had spent the night in sometime between nine and 1030. And it is while she's doing this that someone enters the room and attacks her face to face. So she's first struck on the side of the head with a hatchet. Abby Abby gets struck. She gets gets stuck for sometime between nine and 1030, but closer to nine. How do they know, by the way? How do we know? Because the blood was thicker and congealed. Ah, okay. So she got yeah. she got hacked first. She got hacked up first. So she she gets struck on the side of the head, just above the ear, which causes her to turn and fall face down on the floor. Um, she tries to get up and they just went to town. Whoever got her just went to town on her, beating the shit out of her, creating bruises on her nose and forehead. Killer hit her multiple times, delivering 17 more hits direct to the back of her head, killing her. She's found face down, basically, in a pool of her own blood. Very, very dead. Uh, So, uh, like I said before, they know that she died around this time because the blood was sticky and drying. It wasn't fresh. Andrew was killed somewhere in the neighborhood of an hour and a half later-ish. So he came home from his morning walk about 1030 and found that the front door was locked, which was unusual. The maid Bridget had to come to the door and let him in. And while doing so, she claims that she heard Lizzie laughing at the top of the stairs. This is significant because there's no real way to be upstairs and not see Abby's body in the guest room. So if it's true that she was upstairs, it's highly likely that she at least knew that Abby was dead. Lizzie has always denied being upstairs, and she testified that her father had asked her where Abby was. And she had replied that a messenger had brought Abby a note from a sick friend, and she had left to visit this friend. So... She testifies that she helped her father take his shoes off and put his slippers on before he laid down for the nap, his, his nap, um, which for the record isn't true. Um, it's contrary. It's contrary. It's just not. And you can Lies. see on the crime photo. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that in a minute. So uh, this is contradicted by the crime scene photos, which show that Andrew died with his boots on. Um, so yeah, so she did not take his shoes off. Their maid testified that Lizzie had told her she could go to a sale that was happening at a local department store, but that she had chosen to take a nap instead because she had been puking all morning from the mutton stew. Good stuff. Wait, this is the maid? The maid. Yeah. The maid was puking. The maid was like, yeah, I could go to this department store sale, but unfortunately mutton stew sucks. And especially (laughs) when it's not refrigerated. So excuse me while I stick my head out the window and barf like we always do. And this is where she was when she heard Lizzie screaming for help, saying that someone had entered their house and killed her father. So Andrew was found prone on the couch at 11, 10 in the morning with 10 to 11 hatchet marks straight to the face. <sighs> Supposedly, one of his eyes was cut clean in half. They think he was probably asleep. His wounds were fresh and he was still bleeding, which suggested that the attack had occurred, you know, 10 minutes before, somewhere around 11 a.m. 
This means that whoever killed them waited about an hour and a half between attacks, which is, you know, highly, highly unusual. Highly <laughs> unlikely. Especially if it's, you know, which is why immediately they were like, this doesn't feel like uh, someone who yeah. broke in, you know? Yeah. Like most of the time robbers don't break in, kill someone, and then hang out. Like that, right. That doesn't seem likely. <laughs> wait, but wait a second. Wait a second. Wouldn't, if if the maid was there when Abby was getting hacked, wouldn't the maid have heard her screaming? So the maid was outside cleaning windows. Uh, I, she'd gotten sick and uh, Abby had been like, you're fine. Go clean the windows. Oh. And she did. So she's outside cleaning the windows. And this was one of the reasons that we'll talk a little bit later about what the, all the suspects, she was suspected of hacking up Abby because the people were like, well, I'd be mad. You know, if I'd been sick and my person was like, the person who was in charge of me was like, you'll be fine and sent her out in the August heat. It was like really hot that day, like 93 degrees. Okay. You know, and it's women in corsets and shit. So it's not right. like you can just like strip down now, like, you know, put on right. a bikini and go do your shiz. So right. um, there was a theory for a bit that she was mad at being ordered to do this chore. So, so she basically so, got it. Yeah. Got it. She f- lost made her it. mind and, and yeah. Made but it sound she, like, okay. The, uh, but the, the reason this doesn't make, yeah, I know we're just communicating telepathically and everybody else is going to have to get with it. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, girl, I know what you're saying. Um, but the deal is that it, the reason this doesn't super work is because uh, why would she have killed Andrew? Why no, would mean, the maid have killed yeah. An- Andrew? Yeah. I mean, if she was mad at Abby, that makes sense, but there was really no reason to kill Andrew. There was no motive to kill Andrew. Plus like, that's a huge fucking risk. You know, that's a huge fucking risk to kill the person that you work for their daughters in the house somewhere. Right. running around. You don't know where he's going to go back. You chill for an hour and a half in your room. And then you come down, kill the fucking dude who pays you and then just go about your business and like, go back and finish your nap. Like, uh, you know, I guess it's not impossible, but it it doesn't feel super likely. Right. Okay. Um, Okay. So in the hours following the murder, Lizzie made a series of contradicting statements, including that at the time of the murder, she'd been in the house and she heard a groan. Then she told the police that she'd entered the house without realizing anything was wrong. It's at this point that she also tells the police that her stepmother had been summoned away by a sick friend uh, and that it's possible she'd returned before this murder had occurred. So this is how the police, they send uh, the maid upstairs, I believe, to look for Abby. And that's when they find her body. Mm. she's found in the bedroom and they didn't really care for Lizzie Borden's attitude. They said she was too aloof, too calm and too Mm. poised. Mm. Nevertheless, they did not check her for bloodstains. They only did a cursory check of her room and they did not insist on taking her clothes at that time. They did find a broken hatchet in the basement with hair on it. Like the handle had been broken off. So it was just like the head of the hatchet, but subsequent tests didn't find any blood on the wood, on the broken wooden handle or the blade and the hair on it was determined to be bovine. So it's a cow. So they, they didn't, they don't know that it was the weapon. Okay. Because the family had been ill the week before both Andrew and Abby's stomachs were tested for signs of poison. None found. This is significant because there was an accusation that Lizzie had inquired at a local pharmacy about hydrocyanic acid. But since she didn't actually purchase the poison and no traces of it were found in the victim's body, it, it kind of became a moot point. Hmm. So and we August, don't know for sure that she did that. That she did what? That she inquired about it. We know she did. Well, oh. 
the pharmacist says that she did and and she didn't fight them she didn't say that she didn't so but she said i believe her excuse was that she wanted there were a couple different reasons one person suggested that it was like they had a rat problem at the house and then she suggested mm. that it was because she needed to clean a seal coat seal skin she coat. needed to clean a seal coat a seal skin coat i don't know i don't Is that know a thing? I have heard the term seal skin before and like, it just made me uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> I mean, skinning seals, they're cute. Like what's happening. But I mean, um, maybe if you, uh, um, you know, are an indigenous indigenous person in Alaska, maybe you would. No, absolutely. She's not though. Yeah. So, so that's weird. So, so that's maybe weird. Um, tell us what that means. Maybe we, yeah, please write me and let me know if you understand what is the seal skin coat? Is it what I, is it actually, I could Google this, but I didn't is what it comes down to. Is okay. it actually seal skin? Are yeah. That's the there? question we have. Skin Someone seals and then wearing it like a, coat? we don't want to Google right now. So you just weird it out. Yeah. Honestly, I don't want to look that up and find out that that's true. So only let me know if this is not that, and I can, or make something up. I'm fine with that too. Just but aren't, aren't seals? Oh no, those are sea lions. Sea lions are fucked up, dude. Oh, they I will mean, fuck you up. Seals, I think, can be fucked up too. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I, this is another podcast. <laughs> animals that are fucked up and how they are. <laughs> fucked up animals and how fucked up they are. Anyway, and the first episode of that can be orca whales because I had to do a whole report on that and that will mess you up for life. They um, are fucked anyway. up, but they're so smart. Have you noticed that like the more, the smarter a species is, the more fucked up they are? And that or- explains Capricorns. Y'all are all welcome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so on August 8th, there's an inquest and Lizzie continues to make contradictory statements about her location at the time of the murder. She said she's in the barn eating pears, which everyone was like, it's 93 degrees. You're just munching on some pears in the basement. You I mean, know what? Basement, Fuck in yeah. The, in the barn. If, I, if it were 93 degrees and I had to wear a corset, I'd be in the barn eating pears. The barn too. is like the hottest place there is. Oh, I just think it's like shady. Okay. I mean, yes, but it's hot, hotter okay. than fuck. Um, so then she says she's in the kitchen reading a magazine. And then she said she's in the dining room ironing. Then she said she's on the stairs. So she just cannot keep her story straight. And that might've been that she was lying and it was tough to keep her lies straight. Or it might've been that she was high as fuck on morphine because she was being regularly <laughs> prescribed it since the murders for tension and anxiety. Oh shit. <laughs> it's actually really common practice for women at the time. And I am a little bitter about this. So really common for women to be treated for everything from menstruation pain to psychological issues and everything in between with morphine, which was effective. Um, yeah. Very turns effective. Out, <laughs> turns out but we it, love it. Turns out we love it. Like I, I looked a little bit into this, um, like the amount of morphine they were giving them is literally 10 to a hundred times more than the amount of morphine we give people in palliative care who are dying now. So these, these women were like, just, just really fucking high, just really high. And, and like, and, you know, saying all kinds of shit, like, like, so it's entirely possible <laughs> that home bitch is just like, just living out her best life in her head. You know, she's like, I was eating some pears. She's like, hey, pears. Oh. <laughs> yeah. She's like seal skin. Seal skin. Love it. <laughs> skin to seals. You know, like, no, it's not great. So not, not reliable testimony. So it, it's really hard to look at her evolving stories as much more than anything, but a series of like literal pipe dreams. Um, wow. Also, she's denied an attorney and not read her rights at this inquest, which turned out to be a bummer of a mistake for the prosecution because nothing she said in the inquest could be used in the trial. Bummer, dude. Whoops. Somebody <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> so 
That's she like, did. That's like when you're playing Monopoly and they're like, lawyer error in your favor. Uh huh. Don't go Pretty to much. jail. Pretty much. I should actually ask Mark um, about. I I know a lawyer named Mark. I should ask him like, what? Just like now in today's, how would this go down? What would this look like? Right. Right. Love to hear what he have to say about that. So she did, however, admit to destroying the dress that she'd been wearing the day of the murder, which was ultimately the catalyst for indicting her for both murders. That admission had a lot to do with turning the tides against her among her friend group. And by the time she went to trial, many of the people who had previously supported her were becoming a little less friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, Her trial took place in June of 1893. And her best friend, eh, if she had one, her good friend, Alice Russell, who had stayed with the Borden sisters in the days preceding preceding the murders, gave the prosecutors a much needed shot in the arm when she testified that she saw Lizzie burn a dress in the kitchen stove, ostensibly because she said she had ruined it with paint but also possibly because there were blood from the murders on it. Um, Paint, a.k.a. the blood of my family. Oh, a.k.a. the blood of that bitch, Abby. Uh, <laughs> and that my cheap and ass my dad. dad. <laughs> so, Fuxing is the best. Oh my God, Fuxing. Oh my God, wait, can we T.O. for a second? Did you see that thing that I posted on Insta of how they say zero fucks given in different cultures? Oh yeah, I saw that. Dude, I tried to actually get to that, and it wouldn't like like press it, so I could oh, yeah, go to the post. Screen, it was a screenshot that I took, but the French one, I slapped my balls on it. It's the best <laughs> one I've ever heard in my life. And I think I, we should just say that now. That's I slapped my balls on it. I'm going to make a concerted effort if I could not give less of a shit about something. Just saying, like, <laughs> slap my balls what? on it. I I fucking slap my balls on my that. little furry cat balls. There's an ah. Uh, there's Aww. another one that was, and it's also French, which was, um, I paint my balls with the brush of indifference. I saw that. <laughs> that one was my favorite, actually, because it's kind of beautiful. It's beautiful, and and also like- fuck you. <laughs> yeah my balls um but there but the greek one i was like what the fuck does this this doesn't theirs was um my it was like flowers on my dick and bees all around yeah i I saw that i was like that is very anxiety producing i would think (laughs) if you have flowers on your dick and there's bees everywhere like i would think you would give a massive fuck about that well Honestly, bees get a get a rough rap. We have a bunch of like we do because we are trying to be good people. I don't know, whatever conservationists. We plant flowers that are known to collect bees and butterflies because you can't. Apparently, that's not like a separate thing. I looked into it. Like they both love the same kind of shit, and we get some really fat, happy, cute little bees. No, honey, if you had bees all around your clitoris, okay, yes, circling that clitoris. Sounds pretty unpleasant. No, but actually, I think it should have been butterflies, flowers on my dick, and butterflies Butterflies all around. around. That's like that's not like that's not even like I don't care. That's like this is great. (laughs) It's like this is great. This is is, see. This is why I slap my balls on it. It's just the fucking way to go. Yeah, that's that's. It's pretty great. I can't wait for you to say that to someone and just I slap my balls on it. Yeah, I slap my balls on it. Okay, sorry, keep going. No problem. Uh that was a worthy endeavor for us, a little juncture. Glad we went there. Um, so okay, so she's 
yeah, she burned the dress. Alice Russell testified to it. it. You know, it's fair to say no matter what, this is a weird time for Lizzie to be purging her wardrobe. But uh, she never challenged Alice's claim. So it was probably true that she did that. And it was really unusual at the time. Um, in a house like that, it would have been very unusual for her to destroy a dress. I mean, all that shit was bespoke. So if it couldn't be fixed, and most of the time they would have tried to fix it, uh, then they would have turned it into rags or something. They wouldn't have just burned right, it. So right, that's, right, right. it's weird. The prosecution argued, not terribly effectively, that the hatchet found in the basement was the murder weapon, but they don't have any proof. Like, mm. And that was embarrassing for them. Uh, you know, it, it was a convenient placement, but it's not weird for a hatchet to be in a house at that time. Mm. Nowadays, you'd be like, huh, yeah, really, in your basement, just hanging out. <laughs> All right, that's interesting. Um, but back in the day, you know, it's it's... It's not that weird. Um, They were never really able to pin down where Lizzie was during the murder, and her morphine-induced explanations hadn't done much to provide clarity there. She was like, on a rainbow. (laughs) I was slapping my balls on it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So according to trial testimony, Bridget entered the second floor of the home at 1058 and left Lizzie and her father downstairs. And Lizzie told several people that around this time she went to the barn and was not in the house for 20 minutes to possibly in half hour, which doesn't make sense because she found him at 1110, but okay. So Hyman Lebinsky, a local ice cream man. Oh, Hyman? yeah oh this is actually okay i looked it up it was one of the more popular names in the 1800s what did they not well i mean i guess people weren't really talking about a net like vaginal anatomy at all okay at all um so uh, i don't think it's a coincidence though that in the evolution of names as that that one didn't stick (laughs) yeah Uh no darwinism did its thing there people were like oh really think that's what i'm gonna be naming my son but thanks for playing uh so he testifies for the fence that he saw lizzie borden leaving the barn at 11:03 a.m and charles gardner another fall river resident confirms that time so at 11:10, lizzie calls for bridget tells her andrew has been murdered and orders her not to enter the room but to get a doctor the prosecuting attorney made a whole lot of lizzie's kind of detached demeanor but was undercut when he brought in the school, the skulls of Andrew and Abby and Lizzie promptly faints like the actual skulls. They brought in their fucking skulls, which honestly, that's okay. Like, I think, wow. Yeah. Like, here's the, here's the hacked up skull of your dad. Anyway. Yeah. So she, she passes out and this incident creates a lot of sympathy for her. If not with the townspeople, then definitely with the jury. So how easy is it to fake fainting? I faint. Like, you know, I have you fainted. fainted. I've only fainted uh, once. It's, uh, I don't, I, mean, I imagine it would be easy to faint, but I've never had to. I just faint. So <laughs> like, honestly, I think I could probably do it on command at this point. I know how to get the breathing down and get it done. Oh my God. But, but, um, but I wouldn't cause it's really unpleasant. Yeah, totally. Um, so she's found not guilty on June 20th, 1893. The jury was out for, I think an hour and a half and while she exclaims that she's the happiest woman in the world at the time of the acquittal, some of this joy is going to be short-lived. So she very much believes that she's going to re-enter society without so much as a wink or a smile. But the testimony of Alice Russell was the first mm. indication that she's no longer welcome in her mm. former social circles. And that judgment proved definitive and lasted a lifetime. So the belief that Lizzie had murdered her parents haunted her the rest of her life. And she effectively was shunned by the church society that she previously held so dear. That's Lizzie- in her chart, by the way. We'll get to that. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, uh, if she had been found guilty, she would have hung 
that was Mm -hmm. how that worked. Right. And they were not psyched about the idea of hanging a woman. Mm. So sometimes having vagina works out not often is the truth. Yeah, I was going to say they they certainly were all about it during the second witch trials. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe there, I mean, that was what, a couple hundred, couple hundred years before. Yeah. So maybe they were still like, Ooh, but if we're wrong, like, oh, my God, T-O, did I ever tell you that this, um, spiritual person that I work with <clears throat> one time told me that I was tried during the witch trials, but that I was one of the only ones who got out of it, lied your way out of it. I lies. I, um, def- definitely was a witch. They put me in jail. She was like, I even know your name because I did research to see if I could find who was found guilty, but survived. And there's only one woman. And who's that? I forget her name now. This is a couple uh, You forgot ago. her name. Yeah. But she's like, you could go visit your own tombstone. Yeah. Girl, this is a road trip. Yeah, we're going to take it. Yeah, we're going. Yeah, I will definitely. When your kids you. fucking grow up, it's taking them so long to grow up. By the way, we haven't have no done idea. anything in so long. Fuck, dude. Well, it also love, doesn't help that we've them, been in a worldwide but... pandemic for two years. So. Yeah, but that's... that's why a road trip to a graveyard is like the perfect trip. Honestly, if I tell Olivia that we're taking a road trip to a graveyard to look at the Salem witch trial, which is that we think that you were possibly one in a former life, Olivia <laughs> will not be able to pack her bag fast enough. Jude will just be like, you're going to do what now? But Olivia all over that shit yeah um so lizzie and emma moved into a large and modern house that she dubbed maplecroft on the hill so she took her daddy's money bought herself a big old house that she always wanted in fall river which was ballsy because by the time she knew that that shit wasn't like i watched so there are two relatively new movies on this one with christina ricci and chloe duvall who i adore and i watched i watched that one all the way through um and it's it's a fun watch I think I still have it if you want to watch it on my Amazon. Yes, please. It's called Lizzie Borden Took an Axe. I love Christina Ricci and I love Chloe Duvall. The other one is Kristen Stewart, the chi- the Twilight chick. Yeah. And and Chloe Sev- Sauvigny. Sauvigny, yes. And that one's a lot more disturbing. Oh. Um, and I only made it about halfway through and I was like, you know, I get the gist. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, they, they all depicted like after it, she tried to go to church, sit down, everybody was like, no, thank you. And like basically got up and left. Damn. So, you know, she figured out that, that shit was not going to be the same. She begins going by the name Lisbeth, which fooled absolutely no one. Um, and because, <laughs> yeah, it was like, I'm Lisbeth. You got to move, girl. You right. Change your name to Lisbeth from Lizzie. That's absolutely no one is going to let that one go. No. Um, so because Abby had died before Andrew, her estate, such as it was, went to him and then passed to his daughters after his death. So Emma and Lizzie inherited everything and a considerable amount was paid out to Abby's relatives to settle claims. I'm assuming whatever version of wrongful death was on the table at the time, OJ style, like, OK, you didn't go to jail, but I'm going to take some of that money. So they, they ended up paying that out, but they had a bunch of money and she was into the theater. She traveled to New York. Um, she kind of lived her best life after this. Mm -hmm. So they lived together at Maplecroft until 1905 when they had a falling out supposedly over Lizzie's relationship with an actress named Nance O'Neill. And the women did not see each other again, but they died within days of each other in 1927. Wait, wait, wait. Her sister was like, I don't like what's going on with you and actress lady. Yeah. But do we know what was going on? (sighs) We don't. Is it possible they were boning? 
It is. Okay. Because that I see in her chart. Okay. Keep going. That's entirely possible that they were boning and, uh, or at least that she wanted to be, but just being involved with an actress was scandalous oh. enough Oh, that, that uh, Emma was like, you have made this so hard. Like, like <laughs> we, like I already, like we've put up with so much and she just moved out in 1905 and never talked to her sister again, but they died. I believe Lizzie died first. I could be wrong. And then Emma died nine days later. Nine days apart from each other. Yeah. And they were buried in the family plot next to each other. So there are a lot of theories about there about what have, might have actually happened to Abby and Andrew. There was some talk that Andrew had an illegitimate child named William, who was attempting to blackmail him, not realizing what a fucking tightwad he was. And then when he realized he wasn't going to get any money out of him, he killed him in a fit of rage. But um, that was proved, well, at least him having an illegitimate son was proved incontrovertibly false with a, a dna test once that became a thing so mm. i don't i can't say whether or not william thought he was his kid but he wasn't um so then we've got uncle john who was under suspicion for a long time as the timing he, of it was he the visitor yeah 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 sarah's brother and his the timing of his trip was seen as, as kind of convenient um and a lot of a lot was made out of the fact that he had been a butcher, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me because this wasn't like a Jack the Ripper type thing where like special skills were used. Like literally someone just hacked the shit out of them. So yeah. also it know. was obviously a rage. Mm -hmm. This was someone a was mad. Kind of passion. When yeah. you hack someone so- um, In the face. Yeah. yeah, so violently. Yeah. Well, nothing came of that either. So uh, there's been a lot of innuendo around the idea that the maid was in on it with Lizzie that there was some kind of sexual or romantic relationship there. And while that's definitely not impossible, Bridget did go on to marry a man and settle down in Montana and have kids, the whole thing. So um, make of that what you will. The darkest but most long-running theory, however, is not talked about openly very much, but you can find a wealth of info about it on our good friend, the World Wide Web. So this theory holds that Lizzie did kill her father, but not for money. Instead, this theory maintains that there's a distinct possibility that she and most likely Emma had been or were being sexually assaulted by their father, mm. and Lizzie had finally had enough. So mm. I want to say oh. immediately that there is no physical evidence of this. This is purely circumstantial and is based more on, like I said, circumstantial evidence and what we understand now about the time more than any concrete evidence. There wouldn't, that, that's the whole nature of something like this. There wouldn't be concrete evidence. Okay. Um, that said, the circumstances were ripe for such a possibility in the Borden family. So Lizzie's mother died, she's very young, just two, and Emma was 12. And in that situation at the time, it would have been normal or at least tolerated for a man to visit sex workers to satisfy certain needs. But Andrew Borden was a notorious cheapskate, and it's unlikely that he would have spent his money on such a thing. When, <gasps> as far as he was concerned, he had two perfectly good vaginas at home. Oh um, and he didn't remarry for years. So there is a possibility that he felt it was his first at first his older and then his younger daughter's responsibility to fulfill his dead wife's obligations to him. Oh, and to be clear, we find that very repugnant now, but back in the 1860s, it's not like it was unheard of. Um, huh. A more recent study, one done in 1985, shows that almost 20% of children will be victims of some kind of incest. And there is evidence to suggest that this number was much higher in the 1800s. Currently, the number is 20% of children. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That is a lot. Uh, Lizzie's young age would have made her much more vulnerable to this possibility. And such a situation might have explained why her father was not eager to get her married off and chased away any possible <sighs> suitors that might have been interested. 
And this might also explain why Lizzie and Emma weren't super fond of their stepmother, who was not a celebrated beauty and might not have been capable of holding their father's attention. Uh, So that is the case of Lizzie Borden in a nutshell. Yeah, I know. I hate to leave you with that, but that is like when uh, I started looking around, that was actually the theory that the, that the, I, the Chloe Sauvignon, Sauvignon, movie, Sauvignon, fuck dude, I'll never get that name right. Um, I, wine, yes. Paul Sauvignon. I don't know, whatever <laughs> that blonde chick from big love. That's how I call her. Um, anyway, uh, that, that was what that movie focused on and they didn't, they showed all the things. So, um, oh, yeah, Bart. that's, oh, God. the more oh, I God. looked into it uh, and you can find a lot of information, um, looking into the possibility of this and it's sad because if that was the case you'll never find any evidence there's no evidence to find well of course not you know and that's that's the that's what's so sick about a lot of that kind of abuse I mean we saw this with the Menendez brothers it's like yeah how like all you have I mean and this is the ongoing issue is that all you have is one person's word against another's and yeah and oftentimes the person who is committing this kind of abuse and this is something that the 1985 study that showed it was because prior to that, the, the studies that had preceded that said it was like one in 200 households, which I was like, that's kind of a lot. And then, <laughs> and then the 1985 was like, sake, we met 20%. I'm like, holy shit. That's, that's really still, a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. So, um, yeah, like they, these are people that you don't expect. You know, they're right. people that people will swear up and down. He's not the type. He'd never do that. And it's it's like 90% of the time. Yeah. Well, the guys who, the people who are swearing that he would never do that are other men who have not been, well, no, either that, or they've never experienced that predatory um, aspect of this person, of this other man in question. I'm, you know, we're not always talking about men, but I think a lot of times in these sorts of situations, we are talking about men and, you know, yeah, he's not predatory with you, bro. Yeah. You're not his type is what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing about this is that we've created, and this is just me getting on my soapbox, but we've created a society where men feel they're entitled to sex. Right. And so, you know, I mean, you, you have someone, I'm not saying Andrew Borden was this way, but if you have a man who got married in order to have sex and because that was, that was totally, I mean, that's normal now. So that was totally normal at a time. And then he has these children, but his wife dies. He's like, well, right that's what you're here for. Eventually you're going to be doing this with some other dude. So I might as well just break it in, you know, like, oof. yeah, we, I mean, we don't it, it's know possible. that, but it's possible. We don't know that. But like I said, the, the deal is that if she did it for money, it like, she just sold that property or she had money, you know, like not enough to live out the rest of her life, but she didn't have to worry about that. Right. Also, this is again, this was a crime of passion. This was deep anger, Mm -hmm. deep anger. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's just dig in. (laughs) Uh, We don't have a birth time, so I don't know her house or her ascendants, her houses, but we still have a lot going on here. So let's fucking dig in. One of the first things I saw when I looked at Lizzie's chart was that she has Jupiter conjunct her south node. Your North node and South nodes are among other things, karmic indicators. They're always 180 degrees apart and they reveal several things for the South node. It's like, there are a few things. One, what you're bringing in through your past lives, 
to the lessons that you've already learned through your past lives that you're now ready to have less of in this life. And three, where you might experience loss in this life. So Lizzie has her South node in Leo. This is super interesting because it points to someone who was the star and kind of the center of attention in a past life. And one of, one of the issues that you can maybe run across with this placement is that they are sort of energetically wired to expect to be the center of attention. But if they're not, they very well could be super fucking bummed about it because Leo South Node. Yeah. Now we don't just have South Node in Leo. We have South Node in Leo conjunct Jupiter. So there are several possibilities with this aspect. One is that that sense of entitlement to having the world revolve around them, that could be made bigger with Jupiter because Jupiter is just like the cosmos biggest hype woman, you know, just out there pumping everybody else up and bringing good fortune to whatever she touches. Even if what she touches is like, a big old phlegm ball, you know? So gross. That's one possibility. Yeah. Gross. That's one possibility. There are also some potentially awesome outcomes with this aspect though, like cashing in on good karma from past lives. If you have good karma or like people, (laughs) I mean, yeah. Or people from your pretty big chip there. I mean, I, that's the part that I think is really wild about her story. Uh, Or the other thing is people from your past showing up later in life to help you out. But there are also some serious shitstorm that this aspect can bring, like going big on immoral behaviors or behaviors that are just like not in alignment with your North node, AKA where you're supposed to be headed in this lifetime. Or like Mm. another one is investing in opportunities that they think are there, but like, they're just truly not. They're just like mirages in the desert, Mm. palm trees, palms, grapes, just like pure imagination and also just really bad luck. Like being in the wrong place at the wrong time is another one. So that's the first thing I see. And I'm putting all the possibilities out there because I don't want to, um, color this with my own bias. And then when you literally what we're doing here, (laughs) which is, which should be the name of our podcast. Yep. (laughs) And then when you zoom out a little, you see that Pluto is square to both her North and South node. A square, for those who are new, means that the two aspects are 90 degrees apart from each other. So with the nodes, if a planet is square to one of the nodes, it has to be square to the other one as well because nodes are 180 degrees apart. So as we know from this fucking pod, Pluto's a major player. Pluto is like Marlon Brando as the godfather. He moves slow. It's amazing to me. This is the planet that they said wasn't a planet, right? Yeah. Every time oh. we talk, like, Pluto's like, oh yeah, bitch, I was a planet for your mom. Watch this. Like, yeah. I feel like, yeah, does not get its due. Pluto is so big. And the thing is, I think because Pluto moves so slowly, you know, and um, is more of like a generational planet, which is true because it can be in a sign for like 20 years. The thing though, is that it's not a, it's not necessarily always where Pluto, like if you, if you're like, oh, I have Pluto in, you know, Aries or whatever, I have Pluto in Libra. That's not so much what I look at when I'm looking at Pluto, but I'm looking at how it is in relationship to the rest of your planets. Like, is it a square? Is it a conjunction? You know, like what's going on with Pluto? So, um, yeah, anyway, Pluto is the godfather. 
and he can go one of two ways in your life. Like literally just like that sort of figure, he can pull strings and make you super famous and successful, or he can like have his men gouge your eyes out and feed them to you. It's, it's, there's so much wow, with this that's, planet. There's an image there. But do you see what I'm saying about yeah. like extremes? Yeah. And also very quiet. Pluto does it quietly. It's not like Mars energy. But the but it's it also that also is an oversimplified way of thinking about it because Pluto wants you to grow and transform. And that's that's the tricky part about Pluto because um like you want a good relationship with this planet. And if you have a difficult aspect to Pluto in your chart, you have to be super conscientious about how you work with that Plutonian energy. For example, with a Pluto squared to the nodes, you've got someone who has a V intense drive to succeed in whatever they choose to do. There's like a single mindedness about this placement. And this is, it's kind of an indicator that someone is like, hi, I'm the shit. I'm powerful. I'm the best. I win at all costs. And anyone who disagrees, you know, it's like no room for the haters. So this can def be a fame indicator or a success indicator because it makes a person so driven to do the thing they set their mind on. Well, she was famous. Well, that's what I was going to say is you might be successful at, for example, running a scam business or murdering someone. And um, you know, you might get famous for those things too, but it's not necessarily like you become Tom Hanks or whatever, you know? So like, sometimes you don't so want like infamous as opposed to famous. Thank you. That's it. Beyond the potential success and fame, this placement is also an indicator of a super problematic personal life. Pluto <laughs> check. Yeah. <laughs> so this checks out Pluto in hard aspect brings, as we always talk about jealousy, power struggles, abuse, sexual trauma, painful endings, criminality, death. It's not, it's not fucking around. So these are the karmic lessons associated with Pluto square to your nodes of destiny that are intended to sort of force growth, which is ultimately what Pluto wants. It's the planet of transformation, the planet of transformation, but it requires that you transform through painful lessons, AKA descents into the underworld, AKA Pluto and mm. classical mythology is Hades, God of the underworld. They're the same person. I'm going to pass. No, thank you. Sounds yeah. like a lot so, of work. And that's the thing is we all have Pluto in our charts. So we all dance with the devil, but it's just about how you choose to work with it. And also to be honest, the cards that you're kind of dealt, some people are going to have a harder time when you have Pluto fucking squaring your nodes of destiny. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot to work with there. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot more to be said about Pluto square to your nodes. I won't go into all of it, but I'll mention one thing that can happen Pluto because I, to your nodes, <laughs> your palms square to your nodes, <laughs> um, because I think it's super important. And that is that the person can end up clinging to ways that they've been wronged in the past or pain from their past oh, or trauma from their past. And that resentment can build and build and eventually explode in violence because what what the, um, what that location that basically it's Pluto is talking to both your South node, which is your past and your North node, which is your future. So it's affecting your past and your future. So there's this sense of like, you harmed me in my past and you will pay in the future type of thing. Now, yeah, she got that done. 
Before I move on, here's the thing. Because we have South Node in Leo, that means we have to have North Node in Aquarius because they're 180 degrees apart. Oh, so, I just made a face. <laughs> Anytime well, you say the word Aquarius, I'm like, oh, rough. Hey, no, look, healthy Aquarius energy is awesome. It's ingenious. It's progressive. It's forward thinking. It cares about the collective of humanity. They're often political and concerned with democracy and like, in our times, universal healthcare. These are the sort of big picture ideas um, that aid the well-being of humanity that Aquarius does not slap its balls on. It's like, no. no. That's one with the, the dick with the- With the bees and butterflies. the flowers. No, not the, not the bees. You said that's bad, but the, but the flowers and the butterflies. Yeah, well, it's, basically, it's something that Aquarians would give a massive- A massive fuck about. Yeah. Got it. But generally, unless they have something helping them in their charts, Aquarians struggle with personal relationships because while they understand caring as a concept, they struggle to actually be intimate and emotionally available in one-on-one relationships because Aquarius's original planetary ruler was Saturn. And Saturn is emotionally distant, aloof, cold. And that is something that they um, impart to Aquarius. Not all the time. And I have like, like Valerie Daddy issues, Valerie, we can't, we can't use Val. We can't use Valerie. We can't use daddy issues because that's, that's super misogynistic. Because it's it true, puts but I, the blame. That's what I'm saying. Daddy issues, fucking daddy's at fault. Right. Okay. But right. Daddy is at fault. Yes. Men, men, uh, are the cause of the issue when we're talking about quote unquote See, daddy issues. I don't have a problem with the, with the, you know, oh, daddy issues. So long as we're, what we're saying, I want you to be clear. Like what we're saying right. is that your dad sucks. <laughs> we're, we're, what we're saying is that your daddy has issues. Not that like you are the problem because your dad was abusive, but like, nah, dude, that one's yeah. on him. <laughs> That's yeah. Let's put the fucking let's put responsibility it where, it where it belongs. We're going to slap our balls on that. Yeah. We slap our balls on that hard. <laughs> so Aquarians if they're not or Aquarius energy when it if you're not careful it can be cold and personal in person and impersonal in relationships and I want to mention that because with the north node in Aquarius that means Lizzie is taking on more of this energy in this lifetime speaking of Aquarius we also have Chiron in Aquarius which means if you're using whole houses like I do that you have Chiron and North node in the same house, which is juicy AF, because it's basically saying that she's meant to expand into the same energies and lessons that she will have a big wound around or said another way. She's meant to expand into a wound that she can either choose to heal so that she can help others who have the same wound, or she can choose to ignore in which case she will wound others. But let's back Mm. up and review Chiron. Chiron is an asteroid. And in astrology, it's referred to as the wounded healer because it reveals where your key wound lies. That wound wants you to heal it so that you can then help heal others who are struggling with the same thing. So when you see Chiron uh, in your chart, what you need to do is focus on healing that because if you don't, rather than be a source of healing for others, that wound becomes a weapon that you use to hurt others. Like if your wound is around feeling not good enough, you can either work on your relationship to your self-worth and then help others with their self-worth, or you can tear people down every chance you get because you feel like a walking piece of shit. So what is the wound that you faced with, that you faced with Chiron in Aquarius? It's the pain of feeling like you don't belong in our society or in your community. 
And what's more, Lizzie has Chiron opposite Saturn. That's super important because on a personal level, it's like, hi, this is issues with the father and with feeling unloved or like feeling that affection was being withheld from you, especially early in life. Also, Saturn is in Leo. So there's a possibility that her father was ranking somewhere on that narcissism scale. Hence, I can use this vagina that's here for whatever I want. Yeah, potentially, we don't know. The other thing about Saturn is that it rules the law and police and governments. So when it's opposite Chiron and Aquarius, that tells me that some problem with the law is going to make her feel like a social outcast, and that will be a tremendous wound for her. So that checks out. Yeah, that checks out. Lizzie also has Sun and Venus conjunct. A conjunction, as you'll recall, is when planets are all on top of each other, like Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey practicing the lift in the water, just stacked right on top of each other in the chart, or at least very close to each other. In this case, they're not exact. So it's like when you buy a necklace that has two beads on it, and then you put it on and the beads collect at the bottom of the necklace. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah. That's, that's like this conjunction. They're right next to each other. Okay. But then they're both opposed by Mars. So first of all, I want to, well, okay. I think I'll get to this in a second. Of course they're fucking opposed by Mars because otherwise it would be a much chiller situation. But as we know, there's no chill in these charts, baby on its own. This Venus sun conjunction is so sweet, which is what I was going to say, because when you were talking about how she was so well-liked before all this, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like she, this, this whole, it's like harmony, affection, sweet relationships. That's the Venus sun conjunction. But now that conjunction is opposed to the God of war, Mars and Mars can make things exciting, make things sexual and physical, but in hard aspects like that, it's likely that it's bringing drama and intensity to relationships, aggression, conflict, and violence. So with sun opposite Mars, what you're looking at is like people, um, extremely physical to the point where if they don't have a physical outlet, like running or sex or fucking miming, you know, whatever the fuck chances are they'll erupt in violence. And I'm sorry, but what were women even allowed to do back in those days? It's like, you're not allowed. Morphine. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, are you feeling horny? Nope. Here's some morphine. <laughs> no, take drugs. Yeah. You're not allowed to initiate sex. You're definitely not allowed to masturbate. You're not allowed to go anywhere. You're not even fucking allowed to breathe. Like there was also a theory that her stepmother caught her masturbating Mm. and that was the impetus for her killing. Oh my God. Okay. Wait, I actually say something about that later on, but I don't say masturbating is something else, but we'll get there. Okay. Yeah. So, so anyway, if you're a woman in the 19th century with a son or really ever before, like now, and you have a son Mars opposition, it was basically like, you know, this lady is Kung Fu fighting, but like herself in her room because of pressure. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that sounds awful. But what I think is so interesting about this is that Mars is then sextile, a Lilith Neptune conjunction in Pisces. And as we know, Mars is also opposing Venus and her son. So the whole thing looks like what's, what's that thing the, the Grim Reaper carries around? A, a scythe. Yeah, Yeah, we don't know how to say things. We just read. (laughs) We don't talk to people. It's totally true. I, I, yeah. 
Okay. I know so what the word is. I couldn't tell you how to pronounce it. I think it's side. Okay. But anyway, that's what this, this, all of this looks like, right? The opposition is the staff. It's like a long straight line. And then the knife part, the short line is the sextal. So we've got three points, right? So sun and Venus are the bottom of the staff, the uh, Mars, Mars is at the top of the staff. And then this little jute out to the side over here is Neptune and Lilith. Are you seeing it? Do you see Got my it. vision? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And here's the thing in my experience reading charts, when you have an intense opposition like that, and then you have this sextile on the side, it can suck the energy of the sextile planet or planets in this case into that harder aspect. We saw that big time in the Menendez charts with those crazy configurations. Right. Yeah. So the sextile, even though we love a good sextile, usually is now feeding into this tough opposition with Mars. So let's take a second for Lilith. Lilith is also called the black moon in astrology, and it's a marker for rebellious feminine energy in women. It's often a window into how their ongoing oppression within the patriarchy manifests in their lives for men. Um, well, for straight men, it's more about like the type of women that they're attracted to, or that they're scared of in some way that they see as sort of like forbidden fruit, quote unquote. I don't really like that term, but anyway, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so that's Lilith happy Neptune. Let's look at Neptune. Happy Neptune is like art and dreams and being psychic and shit. It's like, um, it's like Joni Mitchell having a seance but like singing oh. to all the dead spirits, you know? Oh, that's she, nice. She's like, what she would be like, it's coming on Christmas <laughs> and you are deceased. So yeah. that's, that's like happy Neptune, but bummer Neptune, the shadow side of Neptune. That's what you would expect to see prominently in like cult leaders or in relationship to religious fanaticism, like Tammy Faye type stuff which I think it's really interesting that she was super into the church. Cause I, I feel like that makes a lot of sense. Side note. I just watched the eyes of Tammy Faye. Have you seen that? No, it's worth it. I would watch it. If I were you, I think Tammy Faye is fascinating. Really? She totally is. And honestly, we could probably do her on we the should show. Do, yeah. if you want. Her and uh, Jim Baker, who, you know, he still hawks shit on um, he's alive. Yeah. He still hawks shit on like now he's, he sells prepper shit prepper yeah you know those people who thinks that the second coming like is is oh, around the corner oh no. yeah like i and it's some of it's pretty funny i've i watched a little bit of it once where he was like selling um colloidal silver and he's like this will cure anything it'll cure cancer it'll cure venereal warts and i'm like all right i'm fairly certain it's illegal for you okay but that's <laughs> wrong like, that's, that is incorrect true but- <laughs> but and he doesn't look he looks completely different Thank now but he so. has like a a watered down version of tammy faye as his wife who sells shit with him now and i'm just like oh man you're I, honestly my my first automatic unscripted thought was like your astrology must be so fucked he's like can't can't stop won't stop gotta keep can't lying. Stop, won't stop gotta keep crying yeah. you got venereal yeah. diseases <laughs> i got a cure for you right here just rub this rub the shit rub oh. it on there oh you have cancer <laughs> no problem glug glug Stop. motherfucker jesus <laughs> anyway like, that'll could... be eight million dollars thank you 29.95 four payments of 29.95 oh wow so you, know, you get it for like 12 bucks at walmart but whatever wow, wow. okay yeah. okay where was i blah 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 tammy Faye. okay so um 
in terms of Neptune's bummer energies, it's got diet shadow and shadow plus options. Okay. So it's a choose your own bummer Neptune adventure. If you choose diet shadow Neptune, that's about fantasizing and kind of losing touch with reality. Did you say diet like D I E T? Yeah. Like a little diet. Oh, okay. we've got, we've got right. diet shadow and we've got shadow plus. Okay. So like so, shadow light shadow plus got yeah, it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, is this food involved? I'm interested, no. but like, <laughs> maybe could be, could be it's a possibility, but this, yeah. So there's like, this is what I'm saying is you could go dark and like super dark, or you could go like sort of light or dark. Do you see what I'm saying? So, but dark is happening. <laughs> yeah. No, what I'm saying is if you go dark, there are two ways of doing it. I see. Okay. Okay. These are the options. Yeah. Okay. So um, the first one, the diet one is like, you're losing touch with reality. So that's not tight, but it's like, not I choose the worst. that one. Yeah. Just all the time. Neptune shadow plus energy is about manipulation and conniving and conning people. So oh, no, I choose that one. <laughs> that's you. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> so we have Lilith conjunct Neptune, which points to a woman who fantasizes in this case, a woman, cause we have a woman who fantasizes about freedom from gender oppression. Maybe that looks like a fantasy of escaping from men or from the patriarchy in general, or maybe from her fucked up father. Uh, but it also could be someone who's kind of got fanatical, unhealthy energy going on around this oppression. Like, Oh my God. Like, did you ever read the daughters of Eve by Lois Duncan growing up? Oh, did you ever uh, read I read, that? I read everything by Lois Duncan. Yeah. That was the killing Mr. Griffin writer. Wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. She, okay. I don't know how you and I didn't, well, we also hated each other growing up, but it was that, yeah. uh, but I, there's no way you didn't get those books from me. Cause I had no, I all of them. Where did you, where no, did you I start didn't. reading that the shit? The first time I read a Lois Duncan book was that time when I moved in with dad in Austin and I was going to Travis Heights elementary and they, and I found, I don't know how I found it, but, and I don't know how they have these kinds of books in an elementary school, but I read a Lois Duncan book when I was 10 years old. And so anyway, if anyone doesn't know, these are these YA novels uh, and Lois kind Duncan was, of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Was this, and for me, they were like the precursors to VC Andrews. Like absolutely. This, 100%. Is, this was the bridge to, uh, your brother raping you in the attic. Yeah. Um, and yep. I fucking loved Lois Duncan books. They were so twisted, but there was one called the daughters of Eve where this group of like five high school girls join a club at school with this lady teacher. And like one of the girls gets pregnant and the dude pieces out or gets mad or something at her. And then one of the girls is being abused by her dad. I can't remember what the other dramas were that were going on, but the lady teacher swears them all to secrecy and then starts convincing them to start killing these fucked up dudes. And that is 100% Hollywood. Lilith. Are you listening? Cause I don't need another fast and the furious movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this, I mean, like, well, they did. Um, I know what you did last summer. They made that into a, into a movie. That was Lois. Was that Duncan. a Lois Duncan? Yep. I know what you did last summer. I think they did a, a, a killing Mr. Griffin, but they called it something different. But yeah, Daughters of Eve. They also had, oh my God, we won't go into it, but Down a Dark Hall. Did you ever read that yes. one? Yes. Oh, oh, I read all of them. Yes. I read all of them. And all that's them. when mom wanted to put me in therapy. Uh, and honestly, we both should have been in therapy when we were like pouring over Lois Duncan and VC Andrews. Right. But it was the kind of therapy where they were like, we want you to stop doing things that we find disturbing. And I was like, no, heart. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, there was the one about astral projecting and how like this one girl astral projected out of her body because her friend convinced her to and then her friend astral projected into her body, her and, body. Then, and then hooked up with her boyfriend right yeah I remember <laughs> such a good movie um anyway that's the that's Lilith conjunct Neptune sextal Mars opposite the sun and Venus that type of energy is exactly what I'm fucking talking about so let's talk about Mars here Lilith and Neptune are sextal Mars, but they're getting fueled by the Mars opposition. So for one thing, Mars oversees lust and sex. I would definitely think that this desire to escape men is affecting Lizzie's sexuality, like we talked about. So if she were a lesbian, I wouldn't be surprised at all. But also with um, this sexual aspect of Mars, I wouldn't be surprised if she was being abused, especially, and it was like creating this feminist rage in her, especially because Pluto, again, with its dark energy is square to her nodes. So I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. But the other part of this is that Mars is fueling that rebellious feminist rage and bringing a kind of physical volatility to it while Neptune is hiding it. This is such a wild combo. This is that Daughters of Eve doing this crazy shit on the down low secretly vibe, like sort of cult leader vibe. Lilith sextal Mars opposite the sun and Venus is like feminist anger that has to be channeled into some kind of physical action or it explodes and creates violence in her relationships. But with Neptune in the mix, it's like she probably a fantasizes about it for a long time and B has this secrecy or has it under wraps in some way. So let's That would have been necessary. I think at the time. Yeah. I mean, it's always going to be necessary, but like, I think this, like, I'm a really good, um, Sunday school teacher over here, but, but over here I'm like hacking my dad. Yeah. So let's go back to Jupiter square the nodes as we know, because I talk about it all the time on here, when you have two placements that are 180 degrees apart and then a third element squaring them, that is what's known in astrology as a T square. Some astrologers might say that's not a proper T-square because the nodes are always 180 degrees from each other. So it's kind of cheating. But you know what? Like if I see some geometry going on in a chart, I don't discriminate, you know? No, why would you? No, I'm not a geometry bigot. No, absolutely not. Big love. Math for everyone. To geometry everywhere. Okay, so a T-square. A T-square in a chart is a triangle that has a 90 degree angle at the top and it points to a place of conflict in a person's life. The point of the T-square or triangle is sort of the window into how the conflict gets resolved. Now, not everyone has a T-square in their charts. I do not, for example. But Lizzie has Pluto squared to her nodes and Pluto is in Taurus. Pluto in hard aspect is about obsessive thinking, abuse, sexual trauma, violence, and death. Taurus is ruled by Venus. So this is affecting Venetian realms, things like relationships, love, money, money. And because Pluto indicates loss and Taurus is the sign of the physical realm, we're talking about a tangible physical loss or because Pluto, a death of some kind. So or a couple. Yeah. Or more than more than one or more than one, two for one. Andrew should have appreciated that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) right up his alley. Just saying. And then Lizzie also has a yod. Remember we had a yod in Lyle Menendez's chart? I do remember that. Okay, so don't call it a comeback. This is like really happening. Yod is known as the finger of fate. Sometimes it's called the finger of God. 
It's when you have two or more planets sextal to each other, in this case, more. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. And then another planet, 150 degrees, AKA quincunx away from each of those. I'm sorry. AKA what? Quincunx. It's just the ugliest. It's the, wow. It is the ugliest word that's ever happened Shit up in the whole history. Uh, yeah. Q U I N C U N X quincunx. It's going to be a Q word. (laughs) Sorry, dude. All the time. Yeah. Okay. So a yod points to a place of crisis in a person's life and a fateful decision that will have to be made. So here we have Mars, Sextal, Lilith, and Neptune, and that is creating the base of the yod. So that's sort of the basis of the crisis, that feminist rage that she fantasizes about and is like hiding away and maybe is fanatical about. That's the root of the crisis. But what's so interesting is that our third point in the yod is Saturn in Leo. And this is a decision that has to be made. Again, a couple ways of looking at this. Saturn represents the father and we're in Leo. So we we could be looking at a father who's vain or narcissistic. And maybe there's a big decision that needs to be made around this. Like, I don't know, maybe, for example, do I hack my dad and his wife to death? Yes, no. Questions. But I actually think it's this. Saturn also represents the law, courts, government systems. And when I see Leo, like we see this Leo placement, that tells me there's probably a trial that will gain a lot of attention. And of course there was, as we know, and I think that trial decision was really the fateful decision that would determine the outcome of Lizzie's life. So let's take a look at a couple things that were going on in her chart on the day of the murder to give us a better idea. So When I do this, I'm basically looking at the astrology of that day and how it was in relationship to her natal chart and how it was affecting her natal chart and by consequence, her. The first thing I see is that on that day, Pluto was conjunct her Uranus. So transit Pluto was conjunct her Uranus by one degree. And that's a super tight conjunction for those two planets because they move super slowly. Pluto is death. Uranus is shocking behavior. So this is very much... Jennifer Gray and Patrick Swayze doing the lift. Pluto is definitely Patrick Swayze just being like, I lift you up on the wings of death. Uranus, planet of shocks and getting blindsided by life is Jennifer Gray. And Jennifer Gray is just like, she's like, I had the time of my life. I freed myself from the patriarchy and shut my dad up. That's and her. She did. And she did. Her. Also on that day, Uranus, transit Uranus, not her Uranus, the planet of shocks and eccentric outside the box behaviors was conjunct her Neptune and Lilith. So that feminist rage that she's been hiding, Uranus, planet of surprises, just sits down on top of all that and is like, surprise, bitch, it's me, it's Uranus, (laughs) do some crazy shit. Not only that, but on that day, transit Pluto was opposite her Uranus. So the shocking death vibes were just like very strong, very real. And guess what the fuck else was going on on that day? Chiron, the woundy wound wound was in Leo opposite her Chiron in Aquarius. It was a Chiron versus Chiron showdown, John Wayne style, just two deep wounds at odds with each other. So Chiron and Leo is the wound of feeling unseen, 
unappreciated, unloved. Chiron and Aquarius is the wound of feeling like you don't belong or like you're outcast from the social sphere. But what's interesting is in light of all the intensity around her Lilith placement, I actually think, and this is what I was saying before, I actually think Chiron and Aquarius has a lot to do with, I think it, it's definitely her being like shunned, you know, after the trial by her community and by the church. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, I think there's another part to it where there, it's like this rage around feeling not valued within the patriarchy or with men in general, or because she's masturbating, you know, and it also makes me wonder if she was having an affair with the maid and she got caught by either her dad or her stepmom, or like you were saying earlier, she was masturbating and she got caught Mm -hmm. and they were threatening to disown her or something, or, you know, like there was something about being cast out of the family and being like, you don't belong with us. That would have been particularly interesting if she had been being abused by her father. Because just imagine the hypocrisy of that. Like, right. I'm not allowed to be sexual unless you're molesting me. Right. Totally. I and mean, of feminist course, rage, wrap around that one. Yeah. And I and also it's like, it's not even like there's language for that kind of thing at the time. Absolutely right? not. Like, yeah. you wouldn't even necessarily know how to articulate that rage. And because of that opposition with Mar- Mars, like, you would need a physical outlet for that rage. And if you don't have one guess what? You do so, have a hatchet. Yeah. <laughs> Plus her dad had chopped up her birds. Jesus Christ. God, what the fuck with these men in these stories? It's just like over the edge. So anyway, I'll end with this fun one. On that day, Mars, planet of conflict, war, and violence was square to her Pluto, planet of seething rage, compulsive behavior, <laughs> trauma, violence, and death. I'm going to need you to do my chart at some point. So if something's coming, I know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let me tell you, sometimes um, it's not always helpful to know because, because then you're just like scared shitless and like, you know, just anxiety ridden about your future. I'm like that all the time anyway. So (laughs) because let me tell you with this. With these eclipses starting up in oh god, I know scor- on the Scorpio Taurus axis. <sighs> I know. I know. I'm I'm, a, I'm not gonna be I'm I'm not gonna lie to you. Mm-hmm. The last time that happened, it was not a great time in my life. So I'm just hoping we are utilizing this Scorpio energy in a different way. Cause you know I have a Scorpio stellium. So when you have, if you have like an eclipse in Taurus, that means it's opposing like hella planets in my chart so, yeah well i have a taurus rising so yeah. that's going to be super fun for me with my scorpio and venus and you know did you know that i have chiron in taurus i did know that so, you told me that once and yeah. i was like cool then we cool. can share that pain together <laughs> yeah. honestly i'm just like i literally thought to myself when i saw that that was coming up i was like i'm just gonna buy some silk sheets and that'll make everything better. And just stay in bed. And just stay in bed. Just stay in bed. It's winter. No, it's 25 degrees here. It's Here's the thing. Scorpio ruled by Pluto wants us to grow, wants us to have transformation. Sometimes we have to descend into the underworld for that to happen. We don't love descending into the underworld. Sometimes we just have to. And so the, the trick is not to avoid the pain. The trick is to know how to work with pain, how to um, access your tools, how to be in a healthy space. If you have questions about this, come on over to the Patrama Party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My other podcast, we talk about trauma all the time. Uh, and recently I put out a really great episode with Liz Hemmer, who's a fabulous therapist about um, restoring faith in the goodness of life. 
And I think that's a really powerful one. If, um, you have had some traumatic shit go down in your life and you're just feeling like the world is against you. And if you're uh-huh. out there right now saying that this doesn't apply to you, then you're lying to yourself and you probably need to come <laughs> listen to this podcast because I don't, I don't know, know anyone some, to whom that doesn't apply right now. People were raised in happy households and, you know, yeah, but they're... then they went out into the world and that's really all it takes. <laughs> that's the other thing is like, if you've read the news recently and you're not There's a bummer out there, God damn, dude, God damn it. It is fucking bummer out there ongoing. Ongoing. I'm telling you, when I saw the thing about Betty White, I was getting in my car, like the first time I'd been out of my house in two weeks. And I was like, what? What? I'm like yeah. literally in the parking lot of Whole Foods, sobbing, sobbing uh, in I the know. parking you, lot of Whole Foods. You texted me. Which for the record, I all, that was the exact same thing that happened when Prince died. Oh, I'm I w- getting in my car at Whole Foods. Oh, and I was like, when I heard about it and I was like, what? That's... I thought it was, I thought it was a lie. It was like, there's no way he's not that old. When Prince died, I was at work. I was working at Nasty Gal at the time and I was crying so hard hard. that my boss, I couldn't stop crying. And my boss was like, whatever, cause I was, I was managing content for our blog. And my boss was like, stop whatever you're doing and just write about Prince. Just write a piece about Prince. Cause like you, you can't focus on anything anyway. And so that's what I did. I wrote a piece about Prince and, uh, I was, I, and it was actually really cathartic. Thank you, Tiana for <laughs> my boss at the time for giving me that assignment. Cause it really helped. But I, yeah, I mean, I love Betty White. I don't have the same connection to her that I had to Prince, but That's I guess you're more millennial than you are a Gen Xer. Yeah, maybe. But also like I have, so like, I listen to music obsessively and that's true. Don't you yeah. remember that story about me when I was like, I don't know if I've told, maybe I haven't told you this story before, but when I was like four, when I would go to visit grandma, you know, she had, um, she had clotheslines. So she had it. So there's like a metal pole shaped like a T on one side. And then on the other side is another metal pole shaped like a T. Yeah. I remember it. I would pretend, and this, like, this is, this tells you something about all the Scorpio in my chart. I would pretend that one of the poles was Michael Jackson and one of the poles was Prince and they were fighting over me. And I would like have to decide which one to go to. <laughs> I'm going to say you usually ended up with Michael Jackson. Yes. Michael Jackson was my father Your figure and love. my boyfriend yeah. and yeah, all wrapped up into one, all wrapped up into one very confusing. I actually was really worried about you when he died. I was like, Oh no. Yeah. Although at that point there had been so much evolution in his, in what we knew about him. Yeah. So uh, my relationship had um, deteriorated a bit, but yeah, Did I you ever see Finding Neverland. I couldn't watch it. I I couldn't watch yeah. it. Yeah, it's too upsetting. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah, girl, transformation, Prince. Whether you like it or not, it's yeah, coming for it's coming. You. It's coming. So we just we just gotta really. We slap our balls on it. We slap our balls on it. <laughs> we got to slap our balls on it real hard. And I, just don't, and I don't have anything else left in me right now. I'm like, no, slap the balls all over the place. Furry just, little cat balls. <laughs> oh, the sweetest, sweetest little. Oh, wow. This so has really sweet. been a scrotum <laughs> devo- devoted <laughs> episode. Which is interesting because we're women. Devote um, the scrot. Devote the yeah. scrot. Devote the scrot. I mean, yeah. don't ever say that we're not into dudes. You know, yeah. I mean, we focus our attention there. Oh yeah. We, we slap our balls on some dude shit. 
Oh, absolutely. I'm never going to, I'm never going to stop saying this, by the way. Yeah, I, hope oh, I, every, know. I hope you're properly. Honestly, I hope that's how you end every email from here on out. <laughs> Just like that's going to be respectfully. I slap my balls on it. Remy oh man. Okay. So with this last, um, freelance gig that I just did. Uh, it was with a really, Oh, cool- you're, you're done. I've been done for a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Oh, how great um, for you. <laughs> and yeah, well, I definitely have more time. I'm definitely sleeping till 11 every day, but, um, it was with a great group of people and I sent everyone a little like Christmas note or holiday, yeah. holiday note at the end. And, um, there, there was this one woman in the group who had sent me this, video about it was like a tiktok video about all the different ways that people like hilarious ways that people sign off in emails and one of them was whatever (laughs) (laughs) and one of them was sending you a long kiss and it was like on their professional emails and she was just like in their signature it was just like and we we laughed so hard about that but she and i had had that conversation early on and so anyway i sent her this like have a great holiday, whatever note. And then I ended it sending a, sending you a long kiss (laughs) and she never responded. And I was like, wait, does she remember that? Like, (laughs) this was our joke. That's the thing where like, and then you don't know, is it weird if you're like, Hey, I just want to make sure, you know, I wasn't actually sending you a long he, he just wanted to circle back on that. <laughs> and then you have an email with, I slap my balls on it. <laughs> I slap my balls on it. <laughs> Speaking of slapping our balls on things, uh, you can email us with your comments, uh, concerns, suggestions to um, also accolades. Like, feel free to tell us how much you yeah, love honestly, us. Yeah, honestly, just those for me. Yeah, yeah. You can criticize Remy if you want, but I'm not here for it. So. <laughs> to uh, sign of the crime podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on, um, if you are like hanging out with us on Spotify, please follow us, subscribe, and also like, comment, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference uh, in getting us out there. And is there anything else? Any other logistics? Do we know who we're doing next week? Do you know? Because you know Uh, I don't. I forget. Oh, oh my God. Yes, I do. We're doing Bundy. Oh, I had a feeling that was coming up. Bundy, girl. Yes. So tune in next week. For some it's hardcore sh- I, Do you know I his sign offhand sh- he's a sag like he's me. a sag yeah yes. i had a feeling okay i was like i'm fairly certain he's a sag but it'd be rude to say it in front of her if he's not yeah <laughs> like, no he's definitely a sag rem it's because there's it's because we're smart and charming baby smart and charming yeah but yep. there's definitely some other shit going on in there so we we got to take a look do you have a birth time i don't know i, I, I would love I to know, know. rising sign all right I'm gonna i think there that. i think there must be i think there's gotta be it's bundy yeah, yeah well, it's we're bundy gonna, we're gonna find out yeah okay. we're gonna find out for you all right all right love you girl i'll talk to you love soon you too. Bye.